Welcome to the Pacific Forest Foundation's Talking Timber, where each week you meet the professionals behind the Northwest timber industry. Hi and welcome. I'm Diane Mettler, Executive Director of the Pacific Logging Congress and your host of Talking Timber. This is going to be our second episode with Hunter Harrell, Assistant Professor at Humboldt State University in California. He's going to be talking to us about the forestry program there. But before we do that, I want to thank our sponsors, the Pacific Logging Congress and the Pacific Forest Foundation. Both are dedicated to providing sound technical education about the forest industry. This year, the Pacific Forest Foundation gave away $22,500 in scholarships. You can check out their work at www.pacificforestfoundation.org and www.pacificloggingcongress.org. Also, we want to thank Timber West Magazine and Logging and Sawmilling Journal. You can subscribe now for free to both of them by just going onto their website, www.forestnet.com. Okay, now let's hear from Hunter. So that for your school, is it hard to keep up with all the technology? Um, your classes or? Yes and no. Uh, you know, the basics, the fundamentals never really change, um, mm -hmm. even though the technology and equipment can. Um, so those things stay the same and, and really, um, you know, being involved in, in research and, um, you know, going to industry meetings and conferences and interacting with, um, people, you know, in your own region, but also internationally and all over the world. Um, I, I enjoy doing that, you know, and, and that's mm -hmm. where I keep up to date on a lot of things that are going on. So it's a chance, you know, when you go to some of these conferences to, network and, and make connections with new people you might work with but, and share um, the research and, and things you've learned, um, but also stay up to date on what, what other people are doing. Yeah, so now that you're at Humboldt, now what are some of the exciting things they're doing there? Um, well, in terms of the forestry department? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, as I said, we've got some, um, some great programs here. Um, but also there's some neat opportunities uh, for, the, for the school here itself um, that have come up recently. Oh. So uh, recently, uh, it's been just over a year now, we took acquisition of a, a new school forest. Okay. So we have a, uh, what's called the Schatz Tree Farm. Um, we've had that for a number of years. Uh, and one of the great, things about studying at Humboldt is we also have the Arcata City Community Forest that's um, on the edge of campus. So students get to go uh, right into the Redwood Forest from the edge of campus for all sorts of labs and field trips for a variety of classes, not just forestry. Um, well, that's great. But, but now we've also got the addition of this new uh, Jacoby Creek Forest, which was um, Kind of a joint deal between uh, the city of Arcata and um, some workings uh, with the landowner, uh, Sierra Pacific Industry, the former landowners, and um, ultimately it was donated by uh, Red Emerson uh, and Sons to the university. Oh. So we've got a new 900 acre forest um, that we've got to figure out uh, what we want to do with it. Um, oh. It's you know an opportunity to have field trips and uh, be a research working force at the same time. So 
for those who are familiar with um, Oregon State's McDonald Dunn Forest, um, yeah. that's the intention is for it to be something like that, a working demonstration forest that's used for research and teaching. Um, and that's collaboratively managed um, between uh, different interest groups, including the local tribe. Ah, okay. um, Which tribe is that? The Weot. Yeah. And so um, that's the idea. Yeah, but we've got to, all the parties have got to come sit at the table and decide what the values are of the forest and, and what the objectives are going to be out there. Um, but I see it as an incredible uh, resource and uh, that offers a lot of opportunities for uh, the university, um, for the students, and, and for the wider community. Uh, yeah, it sounds great. So the other tree farms, how, how large are they? Are uh, they similar to this size, or are they, this is a large one compared to the others? I believe this is uh, uh, slightly larger. Okay. Um, but the city forest, um, it's uh, several hundred acres that's behind uh, the university. And that's okay. really neat. That's um, actually, if you look into it, um, if you want to learn about community forests, that's uh, one of the first community forests in the U.S. Ah, okay. And they also do active management. I mean, it's got hiking trails and and uh, a park, you know, and things, but it's also actively harvests every year to generate revenue for the city. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And uh, another exciting um I guess uh, development within the department is we've got a, a new tribal forestry concentration uh, starting soon. So that will be a forestry uh, science degree uh, with an option in tribal forestry. And the students will take about half their coursework in forestry science and the other half of their coursework will be in um, our Native American Studies Department. Oh, so at the end, what would the jobs possibly be coming out of that? Well, it's um, hoped that individuals who graduate with that concentration will go on to um, manage forests uh, for uh, tribal entities. Okay. So are, has that just started or are, is it going to start? Uh, it should be starting here this fall. Okay. And we were speaking before, but you were saying there's going to be some changes this fall with COVID teaching. Is that going to be challenging? Yeah, I, th I think it will. But, uh, you know, again, I think there's a lot of positives, too. There's some some great opportunities uh, as well. Um, but, yeah, the like many universities, we're uh, planning for a virtual fall semester uh, with the COVID restrictions right now. So, Lectures will be uh, virtual online uh, as we did uh, in the spring semester of 2020. Um, and then at least for forestry, uh, we've some of the courses um, such as my own have, have gotten some special permission uh, by the Cal State University system to have some person-to-person uh, -person in face uh, lab and field trip opportunities. Um, so limited ones, um, and of course, where we follow all health and uh, safety guidelines. Okay. But so. to give those students an opportunity to do things either in a, in a laboratory setting or or out in the field that um, just can't be replaced uh, virtually. Yeah. So how are the kids responding to the new virtual training? You know, I think it depends on the individual, and it and mm -hmm. it's been mixed. Um, I was really proud of uh, the way 
the students I had handled it last semester, you know, having to go kind of the second half of the semester after we got back from spring break, going all virtual. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and I'm proud of the way people persevered and, and adopted it and, and picked it up. Um, so, yeah, it's been challenging. And I know initially a, a lot of students were disappointed about losing those opportunities um, to go out into the forest and, and to have those unique experiences that are characteristic of, of the forestry yeah. degree, you know, the field trips and, and getting outside and hands-on experiences using equipment and, and tools in the forest. Which segues just to my questions, what kind of equipment do they get a chance to work on in the school? Oh, all, all sorts of things, depending on, you know, what class you're taking or what you're specializing in. You know, we've got um, hydrological instruments that students use. And, um, of course, the traditional forest measurement tools, you know, uh, clinometers to measure tree heights, you know, reloscopes for cruising and things and, and prisms and, and measuring tapes and a whole nine wow. yards. Yeah. Okay. The, um, so for you, what's the most satisfying part of being an instructor there? Well, I think, you know, I never, it's funny, I never uh, anticipated uh, getting into teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what I, what I really enjoy about teaching and what I've enjoyed a lot in life is, is helping other people. And whether that's, you know, helping forest owners or, or logging crews um, learn about their, what they do and in, improve on it, or, or whether it's teaching students the, the skills they need to succeed in their, in their future careers, helping people is, is, is always been a joy of mine. So, um, what, what makes my days when I, when I see students comprehend, uh, material I've taught, they can, um, use it, they can apply it. And ultimately, you know, when, when they get a, uh, their first job in, in their industry and, and hopefully they go on to be uh, successful and, and a leader in their field. And um, I'm fortunate, you know, I'm still young in my career and I've got a lot of students working through the pipelines, but um, some students have, have done just that in, in a very short amount of time. And that's uh, really rewarding to, to see that. Hi, we're gonna take a quick break to thank our sponsors, the Pacific Forest Foundation and the Pacific Logging Congress as well as Timber West Magazine and Logging and Sawmilling Journal. Due to the coronavirus, the 2020 PLC Congress has been moved to 2021. That doesn't mean though that they aren't active this year. They are promoting sound technical forest education. To find out more, just visit www.pacificloggingcongress.org. Okay, back to Hunter. So if there is a student who is like you back when you graduated from high school and were kind of wondering what direction I'm going to go in, would you have any advice for them if they're kind of considering the forest industry? Yeah, absolutely. I'd, I'd say look into it, you know, and I guess um, it, it might sound funny coming from a, a professor like myself, but, you know, even uh, you don't have to be the best, you know, student or the straight A student. Certainly I didn't have the best grades and, you know, I struggled, uh, but I was still able to go on to, to graduate studies and to get to where I am now. So certainly the sky's the limit. And, and I really do believe in that old saying, um, you can be any, anything you want to be. 
Um, a, lot of, a lot of people think that's um, kind of false or, or cheesy, but uh, you know, it's, you got to believe true. In, it's true. You got to believe in yourself. And, and I think, um, you know, if, if somebody's interested about getting into the forest industry, I'd say look into it. Um, there's a lot of misconceptions that it's so specialized and it's just about logging or it's just about this, but it's so wide and it's so varied. Um, you can do everything from, um, you know, genetics research in trees uh, to making products out of them, you know, almost any field you can imagine. Uh, and you just have to listen to some of the podcasts that I guess you've already done on this show, you know, accounting, um, engineering, any field you can think of, business, marketing, there's a there's an end to forestry in there somehow. So even if you're not somebody who wants to be outside or work in the forest or, or get dirty every day, if you're passionate about the natural world and, and about forests or about natural resources, there's a way you can um, make your career in it. Oh, that's um, and, I, and I'd say, uh, so it's, it's a lot more diverse than people think. So they should, they should definitely take a look at it. And, you know, the other piece of advice I'd give, a um, great piece of advice somebody gave me a, a long time ago was, you know, um, if you want to uh, succeed, you know, really focus on what you're doing right now and, and do a good job of it. It's easy to get distracted and um, by the bigger picture or longer term things, you know, some people try to plan out their lives or 20, the next 20, 40 years, I think you really got to focus on what you're doing right now. Be present. And, um, and if you do a good job, you know, people will recognize that and then they'll offer you opportunities or opportunities will come your way. And then it's just a matter of choosing, I guess, the right opportunities. Yeah. But um, I think that's how they come is uh, focusing and, and doing a good job of what you're doing now and, and other things will will follow into place. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Actually talking to some of these other folks um, also helps to have a good degree of passion in what you're doing too to make keep you focused. So Certainly, I, I agree. You know, um, I, I wouldn't have gotten... I guess to where I am now, and, and many people in the industry would say if, if they weren't passionate about it, it's a lot easier when you're passionate about something. And for me, I was just passionate about forests. So I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to study about forests when I went off to, to go to school. Um, but I found out along the way as, as I took classes and realized the different specializations and, and what I wanted to do. So um, you got to find your passion and, and when you find that passion, you'll have the drive, you know, to, to set goals and, and to reach those goals. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing I just say, you know, and, and I've heard a lot of other uh, people say it as well as, you know, the thing they really like about um, being in this industry is, is the people and um, the people are certainly great. Um, they've really uh, made it for me. And the relationships I've built over the years, when I look back, that's also something I'm probably pretty proud of is the relationships I've built with people and, and the opportunities that have come from that. So um, the people are, are the most important part of the industry. Without the people, we, we don't have them. And, you know, the other thing is uh, 
you've had many guests on here talk about it before, but I think forests um, for society are, are now more important than ever before. And so I think it's a great uh, time to get into forestry. There's incredible opportunities out there um, in terms of, you know, we know about the changing climate and, um, and, and other pressures uh, and moving to things like uh, a carbon uh, economy. You know, forestry is all part of those solutions yeah. uh, to those problems. Um, so I think there's a, a lot of opportunity out there and it's a great time to get involved. So for you personally, uh, it, people, well, you're, you're an easy person to develop a relationship with. So <laughs> I can see the, that's, a, that's a highlight for you. But any other ones that would, you know, that so far... Yeah, and I'm I'm proud of uh, the other opportunities I got to you know I got to go around the world too, and that's something um, I never thought would be possible. Uh, being involved in forestry was the opportunity to go around the world, and uh, I got the opportunity to uh, the other year to go to Europe with a group of loggers and forest managers from New Zealand um, to take a trip around. Uh, we I co-hosted a, a tour with my supervisor and we took them to uh, to different operations in in the Alps in Europe and to some equipment manufacturers and we uh, had the aim of coming up with the design for a new yarder for New Zealand so that was pretty cool to be a part of um, and had uh, an opportunity to go uh, teach a master's degree program uh, class in Borneo in Malaysia uh, a few years ago too. Um, so that was neat. Go to uh, Borneo, see tropical forests, um, help them with uh, sustainably harvesting their plantation forests. Um, and uh, I got to go to Canada a few years ago to do some workshops on uh, winter assisted or tethered harvesting equipment there and go to some conferences and yeah uh central central romania yeah i got to go to transylvania to to dracula's castle so traveling has uh, certainly been a cool part and and some of the research um products or or outcomes throughout have been particularly uh rewarding too or or fun uh Oh, uh, I'm not a computer person, <laughs> per se, but um, the other uh, year I helped develop a couple apps, uh, the research grant I had. So I hired a, a fantastic young lady who is a, a software engineering student, and she helped make a couple apps for me. So some ideas we had. Um, one was a little calculator to measure deflection for cable yarders, uh, and we made that. And uh, people started loggers started using it out in the field. I thought that was cool. And another one uh, that came out of my PhD research in in New Zealand, I was looking at the tension in in cable yarders. These cranes, you know, they employ a a wire rope that stretches, you know, sometimes uh, thousands of feet across a canyon and, and, you know, a carriage goes back and forth on it uh, with logs and that's how they get the logs up steep hillsides. 
uh, to a landing where they can be loaded onto a truck. And uh, I was studying the tension in, in those ropes because uh, you don't want to over tension the rope. You might break it or damage equipment or hurt somebody, but also you don't want to um, under tension it because it means you're not bringing up as many logs as, as you possibly could and, and therefore you're less productive or, or less profitable. So it's kind of a fine line. And, and um, so anyway, they had a, a, a device, kind of like a, a bathroom scale you stand on, a digital scale that would measure the, the tension in the rope. But the operator couldn't see it very well that, you know, the number changes a lot and flashes around. And, and uh, you know, one second he looks at it, it's fine. The next second he looks at it, it's, it's not. And, or, um, you know, when something goes wrong, he's trying to figure out uh, what to do. Uh, and the last place they look is maybe that little monitor that tells them uh, the, the tension of the rope. So anyway, what, what, uh, when I would record the tensions um, and then plot them on a, on a graph, on a chart and bring them back, you know, a couple of days later and say, this is, you know, what happened when you did this or when you hit that stump, this is the spike. And it was kind of like a line graph. And they just thought that was uh, fascinating. So I got the idea when I was sitting out there on the middle of the hillside for hours watching these machines work that, you know, when I was a kid, my mother worked in the ER at the hospital and and I started thinking about the heart rate monitor that they use at the hospital. It's a line graph, like uh, the ones I was showing the loggers, and it ticks along live um, and shows what's happening. And you, know, you can see what happened previously, and you can uh, see what's going on. And so I got the idea to to display that uh, the tension like that on a on a tablet inside the cab of the yarder. And uh, so that you could scroll backwards or zoom in and out with your fingers like you do on tablets now, and it would store the information and, and people could utilize it better, uh, learn from it and improve what they were doing. Um, and so, yeah, amazingly produced an app like that. And it's, um, yeah, I guess it's still in the process of being commercialized. Good things take a long time, but some, some people are out there using the prototype. So I think that's really cool too. Uh, cool to see people. <laughs> What's that? Um, I don't know. I, I know there's a few prototypes out there working um, with some crews and, and they're using it. Um, but yeah, I'll have to keep you informed. Um, but yeah, that's probably the other uh, rewarding um, aspect is uh, seeing things you produce uh, get utilized or, or uptaken. We want to thank our sponsors, the Pacific Forest Foundation and the Pacific Logging Congress, as well as Timberwest Magazine and Logging and Sawmilling Journal for making this podcast possible. And of course, a huge thank you goes out to Hunter for taking part in Talking Timber. Until next time, take care.